This is Jewish Board Talk with Cherie Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. What exactly is happening in northern Mozambique? Earlier this month, fighting broke out at Masimbo de Praia, which led to the port being captured by Islamist militants wishing to establish an Islamic state. Who are they and what are the implications of this for both Mozambique and South Africa? Ryan Cummings is Director of Signal Risk, a risk management consultancy for clients with an interest in Africa, and he joins me now to tell me more. Ryan, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, uh, as always, Cherise, for, for having me. Where are we at at the moment in Mozambique, northern Mozambique? So at the moment, we, we do know that there is a extremist insurgency taking place in um, Cabo Delgado province, uh, which is the country's northernmost province along the border with Tanzania. As many people will know, it's also the area of Mozambique uh, where the country recently discovered quite significant uh, uh, offshore gas deposits, uh, which is in the process of being both um, uh, ex- expropriated um, from the Ruvuma Basin and then set up for uh, production, and which is set to bring the Mozambican government quite significant foreign revenue um, in the coming years. Uh, so the region was uh, quite marginalized or underdeveloped for several decades, but since the this big gas boom, uh, we're seeing quite a lot of interest within the region and obviously infrastructural development to support the burgeoning LNG sector. And um, within this context, we've saw, seen this emergence of this Islamic, Islamist extremist movement, um, which has since pledged its allegiance to the Islamic State Transnationalist Network, and they have since um, received that pledge and designated this group as an official affiliate. Um, and, and what's most concerning is from the point where this group had essentially pledged allegiance to the point where it's become a formalized affiliate, we have seen a rapid evolution in its operational capability in its area of, of influence and its ability to coordinate quite sophisticated attacks against the Mozambican government and also foreign uh, military contractors, which the Frelimo government have uh, essentially called in to support the uh, Mozambican armed forces. So we read reports of the port being captured. What does that actually mean? That's a very interesting question, Cherie. So we do know that there's been um, at least three occasions um, against Mosambawa de Praia um, in, in recent months. The, the most recent um, incursion, which started around the 5th of August, was certainly the most coordinated and complex. And we specifically saw that the militants kind of um, initially engaged on the outskirts of the town and continuously kind of toppled security structures within Mosambawa de Praia, you know, going then um, finding to the port, which was kind of the last almost reserve um, within the town and where it was quite fortified. There was, uh, you know, Mozambican special forces that were stationed in that area and eventually they were also overrun. Um, so the capture of the port is strategic for a lot of reasons. So the first issue is that Mosambawa de Praia, it has been uh, delineated by the Al-Sunnah network as um, its kind of ideological um, and religious capital. So it envisages, like the Islamic State, to create a region within Mo- northern Mozambique which is completely governed under Sharia law and where Mosambawa the prior serves as its capital. So that's the strategical ideological importance um, of, the, of the urban center to the group itself. Secondly, um, the port is, is strategic in uh, Mozambique's counter-terrorism operation 
operations because it basically hosts a lot of military assets and it's a means of getting, you know, supplies, specifically weaponry, ammunition, um, and, and various other kind of, uh, uh, weaponry that, and supplies that would be used by Mozambican forces against, um, the insurgents. So effectively by controlling the port, uh, they stop kind of the supply or, 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 may, or stop the transit of, you know, uh, supplies that could be used against um, the group's assets, you know, by the Mozambican government and, and the line forces. Um, and I think the third issue that we can take into account is the importance of the port to the LNG or the liquefied natural gas um, sector in, in Mozambique. Again, it is going to be quite a primary nexus, if I can call it that, within the LNG sector in terms of um, being used to, um, you know, support support the industry. Um, so also by controlling that, the militant group has such a key um, asset that it could potentially use to trade concessions, um, you know, with the Mozambican government, um, knowing that, you know, it might not necessarily, the group itself might not necessarily have the capacity or expertise to control the LNG sector because it is quite a technical, um, you know, industry and sector to kind of derive revenues from. But what they can certainly do is, is almost bargain with um, the port itself, you know, to, to gain some form of concessions from the Mozambican government, whether it is Financial, whether it's the release of the combatants in exchange for a strategic withdrawal uh, from the urban locality. Will they be moving further down south through Mozambique into other African countries? So at this stage, um, I would be very hesitant to see a southern advance, um, you know, for, for the movement. Um, if you actually look at the geographical footprint of this insurgency, it's in Cabo Delgado province, as I mentioned, you know, Mozambique's northernmost province, but it's very specific to areas of, of um, the province, most specifically its northernmost districts along the Tanzanian border. And that really plays the kind of the very specific and unique, you know, ethnic, um, you know, religious um, and and kind of even political dynamics um, of the region. And and if those dynamics are not necessarily at play, you know, elsewhere in Mozambique or elsewhere in Cabo Delgado province or potentially elsewhere in Southern Africa, it's going to be very different for this group to expand, um, you know, its operational presence. And when you do look at insurgencies, in many parts of Africa, um, you know, whether you're talking about the Bokhara movement in Nigeria, when you, whether you're talking about the uh, Egypt so-called Sinai province, which is the Islamic State's affiliate in, in Egypt, you know, these insurgencies are very much tied to specific locations, you know, whether it be the northeastern Borno state of Nigeria or the North Sinai governorate of Egypt, you know, this is where the insurgency is largely contained. You could potentially see once-off kind of complex attacks outside these regions you know, in major cities such as Maputo, um, you know, in retaliation, uh, you know, for Mozambique, Mozambique's continued um, counter-terrorism initiatives against the group. But to see a sustained insurgency outside of its specific areas um, in, in the northernmost districts of Cabo Delgado province is, is not expected. But that said, if we do see an expansion of the group, um, which, which is possible within that geographical zone, then the southernmost districts of Tanzania, I think, is, is at quite a high risk at this time. What can and should Frelimo be doing in terms of fighting this? And also, what role can South Africa specifically play? 
So I think the key issue for Prolimo is that it's focused a lot on treating the symptoms of this insurgency, but not much of its causes. So there's been a very military-centric approach, as expected, um, you know, to, to counter the, the operational threat posed by the insurgents. But there does not seem to be much of a focus by the Mozambican government to find out what this group actually wants. Um, you know, what's its core grievances? What was the issues um, that that kind of conceived this insurgency and whether, you know, kind of you, uh, it's a bit of a carrot and stick approach to this insurgency. So you treat kind of the symptoms, but you also treat the causes, which may be uh, rooted in, in kind of local socioeconomic conditions. So I think that that is kind of the key consideration for the Frelimo government, that they've just focused on, on, on the military-centric approach, but they're not really addressing some of the motivating factors, which may be prompting individuals, you know, to join this group. So there's been a lot of reports, for example, in northern Mozambique, where journalists, both local and foreign, um, are not allowed access, that the government strategy has essentially been quite quite repressive. We've seen a lot of arrests and harassment and disappearances of, of local youth suspected of being part of this group, but without, you know, the, that evidence being brought to the fore. And the more that the local population is going to be marginalized, the more an already weak social contract between the Mozambican government and, and the region's population is going to be severed. And, and where, once that's severed, you know, the militant group itself could be an attractive option for people to join because they could offer employment, they could offer protection, they could offer social services, which the government at this stage is not only denying, you know, the local population, but is actually victimizing them through their counterterrorism operations. From South Africa's viewpoint, I think the important issue for South Africa is, is they need to be conscious about how their foreign policy plays out in Mozambique. If South Africa decides to send its military assets into northern Mozambique, that is a high-risk undertaking. We see across the African continent, whenever a foreign government engages against um, a, a group, and specifically an Islamist extremist group that is targeting one of its you know, neighbors, all of a sudden that heightens the risk of that insurgency actually being exported, you know, to to the kind of you know hostile country, if I can call it that, or the or the, or the key ally. Now, again, as I mentioned earlier, South Africa, you know, due to being about 2,000 kilometers away from um, Cabo Delgado provinces, um, or, or at least the, the group's main operational zone in Cabo Delgado province, it doesn't mean that South Africa is completely immune from the threat of punitive violence. So we saw, for example, on the 3rd of uh, July, if I'm not mistaken, that the Islamic State had issued um, a warning to South Africa in its Al-Naba weekly telling the South African government if they do engage or, or, or kind of participate in a war which they simply cannot afford this time. You know, obviously the Islamic State has also been washing the state of the South African economy. Um, but they warn South Africa that if they do that, outside of the economic repercussions of the military engagement in Mozambique, that the Islamic State would open up a fighting front within South Africa. That does not necessarily mean it's going to be sending its, uh, its forces from Mozambique to South African uh, territory, but it could indicate that, that the Islamic State potentially has cells that are operating with South, within South Africa. We do know that there are many South Africans that are sympathetic towards the movement and that these individuals could be mobilized 
to then conduct, you know, these lone wolf, as, as we used to call it, lone wolf attacks or, you know, acts of violence, which will then be claimed on behalf of the Islamic State and uh, described as being in retaliation to um, South Africa's engagement in, in Mozambique. So at this stage, I feel that South Africa's military deployment within Mozambique um, is something that we should be wary of and, and potentially resisted. I think South Africa has a bigger role to play to ensure that, you know, Mozambique is also kind of focusing on developmental issues that may, might be tied to this insurgency in the north of the country and exploring, you know, our partnerships and specifically our significant history and positive history in conflict resolution. Um, that the role that we've played both internally as a country, you know, from moving from apartheid to a democratic state, but also our peacekeeping role on the continent to see if we can actually broker some form of, um, of, of settlement, if I can call it that, to this is in, uh, this insurgency, which obviously doesn't just threaten um, the stability of Mozambique, but but the Selak region as a whole. Brian, it's so sobering, everything that you've said, and I think you're going to have to come back again just to talk about South African ISIS, but just to go back to for Mozambique, are you suggesting that the only way forward is some kind of settlement? Is, is it a done deal that ISIS is now controlling a, a port in, in Mozambique, or is there a chance of, with further physical fighting, the port can be reclaimed? Oh, absolutely. I think there's, there's a, there, there is a reasonable chance of the port being reclaimed. But, you know, if you look at the kind of trajectory of this insurgency, the most important issue now is that the Islamic State not only holds, you know, the port, but it kind of controls a lot of the um, roads leading to Mosambawa de Praia. Um, and, and this complicates kind of a ground offensive by the Mozambican armed forces because once when they try to do this, they tend to be subject to, to armed ambushes. The, the other issue is that, you know, the Mozambican government, for example, has been provided support by private military contractors, one of which is the South African-based uh, Dyke Advisory Group. And, and they're quite good at providing helicopter support. The only issue is, is that there's about so the closest airfield for um, these helicopters to refuel is about 15 minutes away. So they can only be engaged in kind of, you know, counterinsurgency operations for a very brief period of time before they have to go back, you know, to the port um, or, or to the closest refueling station, you know, fill their tanks and then re-engage in the combat. And, and, and that also comes with the risk of, you know, these helicopters being targeted by, um, you know, air-to-surface um, weaponry, um, which we've seen um, the group does does indeed possess. Um, so trying to regain control of this urban center is possible, but it's certainly not going to be an easy exercise um, uh, unless the insurgents themselves feel that they are, that they're actually holding the port and, 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 you know, providing resources to prevent such recapture might actually be strategically wrong in the longer term because it is a resource intensive exercise to defend their positions that they might make the decision to, to strategically withdraw without the bullet being fired. Um, but again, you know, we, that, that all, uh, more seems that any kind of recapture of the port at this time, that the ball is firmly in the court of the insurgents as opposed to, you know, being, um, with the, with the Mozambican government. It's such a complicated situation and I'm so grateful to you for providing some clarity on it because it's, it's not easy, these things. And, uh, you've explained it so incredibly beautifully. And I think we must have you back on again just to talk about ISIS in South Africa as a separate discussion in a few weeks. That sounds amazing. And it's always a pleasure to chat to you. And I hope uh, that your listeners found this informative. 
Unbelievable. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me. That was Ryan Cummings, Director of Signal Risk, a risk management consultancy who plans with an interest in Africa.